evening. I'm Keith Alpert with Athletus.com, and I'm here with assistant coach of the University of California at Santa Barbara, uh, Coach Larry Lewis. Uh, Larry is a former assistant with the Sacramento Kings and the Lakers, a longtime professional player, uh, somebody I worked with when back in his playing days, and I would say as a basketball player, the hardest and most diligent basketball player I've ever worked with. I used to have workout sheets, and with these workout sheets would give you minimum and maximum times to be completed, and you could set your watch to Larry. Ironically, I, have a hockey, I had a hockey player who was similar, and uh, you guys were my, my top two of all time. Uh, so Larry, tell me a little bit about, uh, if you remember how we met back in the day. Well, your brother, Wayne Alpert, uh, was very instrumental in um, changing my paradigm at the time. Uh, I was playing in Japan. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's time to move to a higher level. We just don't know it. Uh, we don't recognize it. And so, um, you know, push come to shove. I started working, working with your brother, Wayne. And uh, Wayne said, we're going to change your body. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, you ever met my brother? And at the time we hadn't met and he said, um, you're never going to be the same. And so we met, uh, I was... I dedicate summers to Waltham, Massachusetts, and uh, in the off season, uh, I remember the first off season, I came there and we worked out. and And Wayne didn't lie; uh, you did what you did, and to this day, um, you know my body has never been the same. Um, it never felt better. And a lot of what I learned with you is uh, the reason why. So uh, life changing, career changing, uh, body changing, mind changing, spirit changing experience. Uh, uh, just something about the program and being with you in the weight room daily was, uh, was um, you know, a blessing. Tell everybody how, uh, how, uh how long you played uh, professionally and uh, what age did you retire? I played professionally for 19 years and retired at uh, 40 years old. So, and, mm -hmm. and when I met you, you were how old? Ah, uh, well, let me see. So I had just finished my career in Japan. I turned 30 in Japan. So I was at least 30 years old. I think uh, either 30 or 31. And so uh, when we met, I had Achilles tendon problems. Um, my back would get sore. And uh, it was just really hard to, to be consistent, uh, especially with the Achilles tendon problems. So when you introduced me to um, what stretching can do, blended with, um, you know, the weight room, it really changed everything never been never was the same great for me a problem for others <laughs> and uh once you got to spain to talk about a little bit about uh, uh, uh your time in spain 
and that transition you had to make from uh, Japan to uh, to Spain. So um, I was actually a little, I wasn't comfortable with going to Spain from Japan. I mean, um, basically I had a franchise in Japan that um, was pretty loyal to me and dedicated, um, you know, basically the next few years to my career and they were paying me pretty well. And um, for me to go from Japan to Spain, I was going from the top division in Japan to the second division in, in Spain. So, but um, we got our summer in and I went to Spain in the second division and um, did what we set out to do. And that was to make everyone know your name. Um, so I had a great year that first year. The coach of that second division team was hired by a first division team. And he told them I'm coming, but I got to bring Larry with me. And then I played and I ended up playing in Spain for 10 years. And so uh, what a lot of people don't understand is the difference between playing in Japan and, uh, well, they, they, uh, in terms of that they do pay well, but from a level standpoint versus making the, uh, the, uh, the change to Spain. Can you, uh, can you tell that for the, uh, the audience? Yes, totally different. Um, you know, the Japanese league, I always ended up playing against the other Americans. So it wasn't like I was playing against a Japanese player, but the, uh, the supporting cast, was not at the level of, of, of Spain. Spain professionals start at 16 years old at a high level, um, play in tournaments and competitions with all over Europe, teams all over Europe, top division. So uh, the, the, the level you're going from about a six to seven to a nine, nine and a half, 10 being the NBA. Outside of the NBA, the Spanish league was the best league in the world. Um, and the competition, uh, you're dealing with a, a different bodies, different athletes, um, different intellect on the court. So the level was different. The coaching was different. Uh, the Americans were different. So uh, I also was different. And I must say that the, the transition, now that I look back on it, I'm so glad that I bought into... Wayne's vision, your vision, Keith, and just let you guys put me on remote control. Um, sometimes we have to trust people. Um, you know, it's, it's like the, 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 the message is not always going to be where we think it's going to come from. Um, but if we dedicate ourselves, and when I say we, I'm talking about athletes, young athletes that really don't know how to have a vision really don't know uh, the, the scope of the land. Um, but when that dedication and that determination and the willpower kicks in and, and we become more listeners rather than arrogant know-it-alls, uh, we, can, we can do mighty things. One thing I want to mention is that uh, for many years, um, my older brother Wayne and I, my brother Wayne is a, uh, a skills coach, a private skills coach, and I uh, dealt with uh, professional basketball players at various levels. And uh, over the years, we've uh, had transitioned to uh, collegiate players looking to get into uh, 
to professional basketball player uh, into professional basketball and and now in general we've worked with uh, with younger kids it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so we we still do some work together but also uh, dealing with uh, athletes not just in the world of basketball I have football players I deal with lacrosse players it's uh, uh, players from different sports in terms of uh, dealing with a time restricted situation, which is also uh, uh, was my situation with Larry for many years, meaning that uh, he would come back. Typically, when would you get back to the States, Larry? Uh, it would be late May, uh, middle to late May, depending on the playoff situation, uh, June sometimes. So we really, oh, I didn't mention uh, what you did for my diet. I remember, um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I want to mention this because it's this very important. Anyway, I'd get back late to middle to late May. So they want me back over there early August. So we had June, July and August. To, well, June, July, basically, to handle whatever business we're going to handle at max two and a half months. <laughs> and um, wow, when I think about that, that's kind of unbelievable. What would, what would happen in, in those summers and the way my body would, you know, turn out. And then year after year, it's like, it's like real estate, how to go up and then it may take a little dip, but it's always going to go up higher than it was. And then you come back like this. And, and that's what I felt like we did or you did. Um, but the diet thing, Keith, I really want to stress how that has changed my life to this day. I remember 30 days we did the protein diet. I think you're, you're, you're probably up a few levels, you know, nowadays, but you know, with the, with the knowledge, then we did uh, that. Those 30 days changed my life. My game was never the same. My body has never been the same. And my thinking has, has never been the same. And my approach to food has, was never the same. And so, um, I, I feel pretty fit today and I have a command over, what foods I'm going to eat. And, um, you know, there's a mental strength, strengthness that, you know, you gain when you have that kind of control, you don't become as emotional over food. And that right there would, uh, would do us all some justice in, in just in life, especially in America where, you know, every other commercial is a, is a, is a Wendy's or an Arby's or Burger King or McDonald's. Every billboard has all this stuff. And so, uh, the, I, I can't say enough about that. The diet alone, you know, changed my game as well. Have, and I have to say a few years back, I got the great opportunity to uh, uh, meet a, uh, a gentleman that uh, Larry was coaching when he was with the Lakers and Ryan Kelly, the former Duke star. And I went out to the Lakers facility and uh, uh, did some work with Ryan and, and uh, got a chance to see their facility uh, at the time. And uh, I'm, I'm taking my camera to the facility just to see what, you know, what they had. I always get interested in that type of stuff. And I flipped the camera over to, to Larry and, and he's showing me his six pack and were you in your mid forties at that point? So yeah. a lot of professional players, when they stop playing, have a very hard time maintaining a lean body because they're not running around quite as much as they were and training quite as hard because their responsibilities change, especially 
when they get into coaching because it's a, it's a lot different. It's not as much of a, certainly a physical job, except when they get on the court and uh, work with guys. But I just, uh, uh, this is a guy who continues to look like he could probably get out there and play. I'm sure you get out there uh, with some of the collegiate kids and teach them a lesson here and there at, at this point still. Um, so I want to make the point that, uh, so my background is dealing with professional athletes for years, only having six to 10, 12 weeks to get ready for the next situation that they have. And many times they would come back because, uh, uh, and Larry, you can talk about this a little bit, how difficult the, uh, and the expectations were overseas in terms of practicing versus that the NBA tends to manage the, uh, especially nowadays, tends to manage the load of the uh, of their top players. And uh, so many times people would come back uh, to me banged up and they would need a little bit of time to, uh, uh, to get back. And at the same time, it was cutting into time, getting them ready for their next situation. So um, overseas, throughout the year, we have two practices a day. That alone um, takes a lot of people out of the, out of the, you know, out of the sport. Um, but what we would do, I, I remember always going back in August and there was always a little drop off because we, you know, they run the, they, they, they run the snot out of you in the beginning and then preseason and all that kind of stuff. It really gets to be kind of irrational and, and, and ridiculous. It's like, okay, where's the logic behind this and what are we doing? But I was always in a, in a, you know, in shape and my body was built up from working with Keith so much that my drop off wasn't that much from other people, it, you know, as compared, I mean, you have guys who had, they, they didn't have Keith. Right. So, so I knew I had an advantage. So what I do is the first three days, I, I, you know, I wouldn't come in last, but I wouldn't push myself to come in first either because I knew that two weeks from then, no one would be thinking about those first three days and why overdo it. And, you know, I have this power, I have this strength. I didn't want to, you know, risk anything. And so it was just smarter than me after those three days when everybody would be breaking down, that's when I would ramp it up. So day four and five, you know, while the first three days that they knew I'd been working out because, um, you know, in the mirror after working with Keith for those, you know, six to eight weeks, I mean, eight to 10 weeks, um, my body, you knew I'd been working out. You knew I was in the weight room. You knew I was eating right. Um, and, and my spirit was right. So it wasn't, they couldn't say I wasn't working out. They couldn't say I wasn't trying because I wasn't coming in last. I just had a strategy. I had nothing to prove uh, because I already knew we put the work in and that I was going to be ready to perform. And it's, it was always about performance. So my point is that day four and five, that's when I would ramp it up when everyone else was breaking down and it would just get me through that the rigorous preseason and just the ridiculousness of all the running and the hills and the mountains, wherever that was. And uh, it was just good to be prepared and, and, and that my drop off wasn't going to be as much as other people's drop off. And that in the beginning of the season, when you have that lead on guys, it helps a lot because it sustains itself. And then, and then Keith, we do our own, you know, weight programs during the year 
And while the strength and conditioning coach over there would be like, well, you know, what's that you're doing? I'm like, I have my, I have my guy and this is what we do. I mean, um, could you, could you have me looking like this? You know, if, if I was with you all summer, well, this is the guy that has me looking like this. So <laughs> we're going to stay with it. And so it didn't stop just because I'm on the other side of the world. You know, you were there uh, during those months I was in Spain and, 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 you know, all it took was an email or, you know, you send me those programs and it would be, it would be great during the season to have that. It's like state farm insurance, man. So one of the reasons why I brought Larry on, and I may have mentioned, should have mentioned it earlier, but Larry is in a very unique situation being a coach. So he's gone from, and we'll talk about a little bit about your transition to coaching in a moment, but he's now a collegiate coach at a mid-major division one level. And he's also the parent of a, of a son who's now a junior in high school who has definite uh, division one potential, but at minimum, uh, he's definitely at a scholarship level type uh, situation. So uh, we're gonna talk about the very unique perspective of, of going out to recruit, and at the same time being on the other side of it as a parent trying to help guide his son to, uh, uh, to uh, collegiate opportunities. So talk about uh, you, you played in Spain until uh, you're 40, and then, you, uh, and then talk about your transition into coaching. How did you get started with that? So um, as a professional, I come back. Um, before I went overseas, I would come back. I, I, played, I played in Cyprus. I played in Dominican Republic before Spain and even before Japan. So when I was in the CBA, which is now the G League, I played for Eric Musselman. And basically when I retired, Eric Musselman was the head coach of the, the Defenders, which is the Los Angeles Lakers G League team. Um, so I called him when I retired and um, asked him, did he have anything? He said, not really, but you know, I'll keep my eyes open whatever. So we got off the phone. He called me back 15, unit, uh, 15 minutes later. He said, how, how long would it take you to get here? I'm about 15 minutes away from the practice facility. So I, I, uh, I, I got in the car, went over there. And from there, he was able to get me on the staff. And uh, we finished that year. We had a great year. And then the next year, Eric Musselman went to ASU, Arizona State. And then uh, uh, Reggie Theus was the head coach the next year. So I worked with Reggie Theus as an assistant the second year. The third year, Mike D'Antoni was on staff, and I was able to uh, be hired as his assistant with the Laker team. So two years with the G League and then went to the um, NBA team and basically coached there with, um, for Kobe's last three years. Then Luke Walton came and cleaned house, and, you know, the only assistant he kept was Mark Madsen. So I ended up in Sacramento Kings and spent three years with Sacramento Kings until last year, I just finished my first year with UC Santa Barbara. Uh, the, the interesting thing is, you know, Sacramento Kings, after being there for three years, the same guy, Luke Walton, comes to Sacramento, cleans house again. So uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the message is, what the universe is saying, but um, we'll see. Well, I guess it's. I guess you have to avoid Luke Walton, huh? <laughs> yeah, or maybe he should avoid me. Hell, stop following me, man. Yeah, that's it. 
So talk about uh, uh, what it's like first. Uh, uh, so step back for one second. So obviously we're in a pandemic and we'll get to that. But typically uh, in my situation, I've gone from working with guys who I only had six to 12 weeks to work with in the off season. And I started working with uh, the young basketball players who are playing in whether it's school or AAU for at least 10 and a half months out of the year. And that doesn't leave them a lot of time to deal uh, to uh, put a body on. So I catch the kids usually for uh, two days a week on average, if it's, if there are periods where it's a little lighter and once a week during uh, busy times. And I've actually been able to apply what I've done with professionals in the past within that model because of, of all the work. And they're also kids, so they have schoolwork, they have friends, they have other, other uh, moving parts in their life. Uh, talk about how important it is. Uh, first, talk about before the pandemic hit, talk a little bit about recruiting from your standpoint. What is it that you're looking for? Uh, and how you go out and find players for a, a mid-major team, because at that level, it's a, probably a little more of a crapshoot, I would think. Well, I look at it like this. When I go see kids play, okay, who would I pick on my team? And this is where just growing up in the sport as a player, my outlook may be different than someone who didn't play, Okay. There are certain players that fit in a system. There are certain players that don't. So I'm also looking at it two ways. I'm looking at it from the viewpoint of our coach, our head coach. And I'm also looking at it from the viewpoint as if I was the head coach. Because I think when you're an assistant, your job is to support the coach and assist the head coach. But you always keep your head coaching mind in shape. I always have my um, opinion about players. Um, and I, sometimes I keep it to myself. Sometimes I share it. But these kids today, they have the wrong idea about what it takes to get to the NBA. They think it's about points and points and points. No. Rebounds help. Yes. Passing, screening, all that stuff. But character there's a lot to be said for character. How do you react to different situations? And um, I look at those things as well. So um, it's amazing to me how many players trick coaches and scouts. And I'm wondering to myself, well, not wondering to myself, I'm actually, I know that they're looking at something completely different than, than, than what I'm looking at or what I'm looking for. And it's important for a player to be um, alert on the court, energetic on the court, and mindful of his, of his or her responsibility. There's a very, responsi very responsible aspect to this sport that I don't think people understand. Um, but when a player is responsible, that player can be depended on. Uh, they don't cheat the sport. They don't cheat practice. They don't cheat preparation. And those are the players that usually make a program great and a culture great. 
And so when I go out and look at kids, I look at, I look at these things. When I talk to kids, I listen for um, the words they use when they talk, um, how, they, how they use their eyes in communication. Um, when they shake your hand, is it firm or is it soft? Um, little things like that, I think matter. Uh, regardless of a player who can play with talent. I mean, you can have a talented jerk on your team, screw the whole locker room up. You're not going to win anyway. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. The, the kids are, uh, the kids at all levels seem to be uh, all worried about how they uh, 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 started with ESPN. They want to be in ESPN's top 10. And they don't understand, and you know, I'll hear it from kids, they don't understand why certain guys do make the league who wouldn't seem, and I'm not talking about some of the flamboyant guys who may or may not belong in the league due to their uh, due to, uh, uh, attitudes which might be suspect. But then you'll see some other guys who play, uh, uh, young men don't understand, or kids don't understand why they're in the league and I think it has a lot to do with, your, uh, with what you're saying. Coaches need to depend on people, and that's why they'll, they're willing to put up with uh, maybe a little less talent sometimes with that. So talk about uh, how things have changed now with the, uh, the pandemic in terms of being able to uh, uh, not only deal with uh, your current kids, but in terms of looking for, your, for the next group. Well, we've all basically turned into the Jetsons. Flat screens, video calls, Zoom calls. Uh, you know, we're on our phones making calls. Uh, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of um, um, opinions from scouts and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's tough when you can't really use the summer wisely and there there is no aau um am i a fan of aau it doesn't matter because that's where you're going to see the kids i mean the style of play is a little different but you know when you know how to look at kids you know how to scout a game and to see what's important you know a, 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 even from a kid going from the ncaa or college ranks to the NBA, very rarely is that rookie look to score 15 to 20 points in a game. What else is he bringing to the table? So I say that to say that, you know, recruiting now, it's been a summer of Zoom calls, uh, very little action on the court. We have a season, I guess that's gonna come up uh, next year, early next year. Um, and that time has got to, has to be used wisely if it happens. Um, the, the scary thing is that it's been hard to, you know, really depend on dates that have been set. Dates get pushed back, postponed, canceled, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, other than that, we'll just have to go on word of mouth and which makes it, which makes it really tough. Um, and just have to look at this season you know, this high school season and whatever AAU action we get or tournament action we get uh, early next year. Talk about, uh, because this, uh, there's been uh, 
uh, scaled back AAU. I know in, uh, in Massachusetts, they're not allowing it, uh, to at least in terms of games. So people are running up to New Hampshire. They might be starting to allow it a little bit. Uh, they, do have, they do allow for practice, but it's scaled down. There's very few places or, or facilities that are large for, uh, for athletes to work out right now. Uh, so I've actually used it as an opportunity to give, uh, I've had more people in my little uh, gym in my house training them because there's been no access. Uh, and uh, right now uh, at your school, do you guys have access to the weight room? No. No, we don't have access to the weight room, nor do we have access to our gym, our arena, nor do we have access to our locker rooms. So that's, a, that's the craziness that's kind of going on, give or take, around the country. Uh, obviously, California's uh, probably, on average, a little bit stricter than, uh, than a lot of the other states. But that's, that's a reality right now. Right. So uh, to the high school kid that's a perspective, I see it as an opportunity because some of the people, uh, some a lot of people aren't training right now, and it's a great opportunity for them. And uh, talk about also from a standpoint, you obviously experience what it's like when you transform your body, but now you have these uh, the high school kids who in general haven't had a lot of time to train. They travel a lot and, uh, up until recently with the pandemic, and have not had a real opportunity to build the kind of body that's going to be a uh, college ready and talk about the difference uh, so on um, you talked a little bit of certainly about character but now if you get two character guys and one that's uh, clearly uh, been busting his ass in the weight room and one that hasn't who are you more likely to choose well that's going to be one of the one of the bigger things in this whole thing the pandemic is that these players have an opportunity to, to do that they can absolutely change their bodies and they have time to do it right now if they have you keith they're in a good good situation if they use it correctly um you never know what your competition is doing and so you want to be the one that comes out on the other end of this ahead so it's an opportunity to really if you're going to be a senior, you could come back to this season in 2021, really with the, with the body of a freshman or a sophomore um, in college. So if you use this time wisely and it's your senior year, you will play your senior year of high school basketball with the body as if you were a freshman or sophomore in college. And that puts you way ahead of the game if you use this time wisely right now. Tell what tell these uh, the kids who uh, who need to consider doing that for themselves. Why that's important? It's one thing to get recruited. It's one thing to even be a scholarship level guy. I tell people all the time that in all the divisions across the uh, country, you're, there's only three and a half percent of the players that actually play at any level of uh, collegiate basketball. It's one, one, and one point four percent respectively from Division One down to, to three. So it's uh, even the Division Three level. Uh, uh, they uh, they like to tend to go with uh, the veterans who are have, are college ready from a, a body standpoint. 
And so you could probably share an example or two of, uh, of what you've seen from guy, young guys who were physically prepared and uh, you have more confidence in to be able to uh, hold up in the more physical part of the college game. Yes, holdbacks are really important, are really popular right now. People hold their kids back a grade for that very reason. So any kid that's not a holdback, okay? So holdbacks, they're in the 11th grade, right? But they should be a senior. They're in the 10th grade, they should be a, zoom, a junior. And so it's, it's kind of not a level playing field for the kids that, that aren't holdbacks. Here's your chance to turn to even the playing field. It won't matter if you're playing against a holdback or not, right? People taking advantage of that rule and maybe in the seventh or eighth grade, they'll hold the kid back. So now that seventh grader is now in the sixth grade, that eighth grader is now in the seventh grade. And so they appear to be better than what they are. Um, a year in junior high school is huge. A year in high school is huge. Now is an opportunity to make up for it, even the playing field, if you're not a holdback. That, that's very important that, uh, that you have that, take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, I, I've seen it so many times when guys don't get an opportunity and uh, I, always get the, uh, I always get the call, I'm playing with men. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm behind. And so that uh, the holdbacks are, uh, are very, very big right now. Everybody's looking to grab one of those uh, spots, even at the Division three level. I always tell people that even at Division three, it might be an opportunity to get into a phenomenal academic school, even if it's not a scholarship level. And typically, uh, uh, they'll usually find some form of uh, money in an academic uh, uh, scholarship or a leader, leadership type uh, money that, that goes towards it, certainly uh, not athletic. Uh, with that being said, what is, uh, talk about now as a parent with your son, Landon, now entering his junior year of high school and, and, uh, and as a parent, from a parent perspective, what is it that you're uh, uh, looking to do uh, to help uh, Landon along? Well, we, we use this time wisely. Um, my message to Landon is always the weight room and stretching. We get on the court together, but on the court, you can only do things your body and your mind allow you to do. So if your body's not strong, you can run into as many people as you want to. But do you want to run into to somebody and make an impact? Or do you run into somebody and be impacted? So we always teach to hit first. And so without a body, you probably won't do much damage, right? And what Landon does, Landon doesn't shy away from any, any contact ever. He'll initiate it, but he can only do that because he's been in the weight room. So um, our son is not a holdback. Um, he's got a 3.9. So he's a great student, way better than I was. Um, he's way smarter than I was. I graduated high school at 6.3. He's already 6.5. Uh, I didn't lift a weight until I was, I guess, in college. Uh, I didn't train in the weight room until I got with you, Keith. There's a difference between lifting weights, exercising, and training, and bodybuilding. So um, he understands that, and and you know, 
my experience in it is just is just what I'm talking to him about. And uh, I charge him to take his own responsibility for how he uses his time. Um, you know, when I'm in Santa Barbara, he has to take his own responsibility just like he does with his books to get in the weight room. You know, we have weights here he can lift um, and stretch and, and, and all that kind of that kind of that kind of thing. Those things that that, that are you know represent a responsible athlete. So um, I know what he's gonna face and, and people want warriors. People want some dog. People want dedicated, tough-minded uh, competitors. But see, if you aren't in the weight room, your mind doesn't get to the place where you push yourself through some pain, through some struggle, through resistance. And you get through that level of resistance and you have to get to the next level of resistance. That's where you win. If you just wanna do push-ups all day, have fun. But when you run into someone that's been hitting that iron, you're gonna know. A great example, in the obviously, in the NBA final is Jimmy Butler. When he drives, he's – Larry, Coach Lewis, is talking about is he goes and he's hitting to hurt. And, of course, in, uh, within the, the, the legal part of the game. But that's a level of, uh, of physicality that you have to have. And especially for the young guys trying to move up to play against uh, – the older guys in college, you've got to be physically ready so that you can, as we like used to say, blast somebody. Is there, a, is there anything else you'd like to add, Larry? I, I just really, you know, for the, for the, for the young athletes that, um, whether they speak the language or not, um, I just, the, there's a combination of things that you want to implement diet, the weight room, and stretching. Now, student athletes have to, you know, perform academically as well. But if you don't die, if you don't diet, you won't know how to control your mind and your emotions when it comes to food. And when you hit some turbulence, sometimes food is looked at as a as a passive way to comfort yourself. Don't rely on that, okay? Control your mind, control your attitude towards food, and understand that what you don't eat is probably more important, or just as important as what you eat. <laughs> so, so if you combine that, okay, so now your mind is right. The weight room is going to take your mind to a whole nother level in a whole nother way. Okay, so now you have control. You have mental control. The weight room will give you mental willpower and mental strength. The stretching will eliminate, will eliminate the limitations of your body, your range of motion. The, um, you, you, the, you're not as apt to get injured. And if you do have a, a, a strain, it's not gonna be as severe and you'll pop back faster. You'll, 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 you'll bounce back, you'll heal faster. And when you combine those three things, 
It's all about performance. You're doing this so you can perform. You're not doing it to look good. Jimmy Butler runs into people, but look at his body. Johnson doesn't do that. Hero doesn't do that. They're great players, but they're not going to slam into – he'll slam into LeBron. He'll slam into AD. Jimmy Butler has no fear. Imagine yourself having no fear. You got to work for that. You have to have the body for it, the mind for it, and the flexibility for it to where you don't fear a collision with anybody. Yeah, he's a great example of somebody, and, and now he's really – if he didn't burst onto the scene before – in people's eyes as one of the top players in the sport. He certainly has their attention now. And then one last little thing. If, uh, how would you advise parents to help their young prospect increase their chances of getting uh, college opportunities or increasing the number of options they may have if they're at a collegiate level? Um, I, think, I think parents supporting the training is very important. And um, when the parent's opinion of their child um, is too positive, not too positive, is exaggerated. Like your opinion of how good your son or daughter is really doesn't matter. You know, I think a lot of parents, you know, can push that opinion in some directions that are really irrelevant, it's not necessary. The bottom line is the best players are not all in the NBA, right? And so for a parent to say my, 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 my athlete is, a, is, a, is a, uh, 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 an NBA player or is going to Duke or is going to North Carolina or is just as good as those other guys, it doesn't matter. So sometimes it's important not to say anything as a parent, but get the training and support the training, support the preparation. Let everything else go. I'm not saying don't say positive things about your child. I'm not saying that. But don't let your opinion be exaggerated. In, in what I'm saying is support the preparation. Everything else, you know, it's your child, so you're going to think a certain way about him or her. You know what I mean? So, but, but that's the part I think should be kept you know, pretty much to a parent, to a, just to the parent. The child doesn't need to know how good he or she is. The coach, the AD, the owner, the general manager, it's that opinion what counts. So if you support the preparation, I think that's where the focus should be. That's a, uh, that's a, a lot of goal that you uh, have, have given. If, uh, if, and I have some people that, that may watch us from Canada, from some other parts of the world or the country. If you have any uh, young potential kids who uh, might be worthy of being looked at at a mid-major Division One level that's for some reason not being looked at, how would they uh, contact you, uh, Larry? You, you have all my information, and uh, I trust you. Feel free to give them my phone number, my email address. They can call me anytime. They can leave a message. They can send a message. I'll get back with them and we can talk about life, athletes, their child, um, the NCAA, the NBA, the WNBA, overseas, um, 
uh, ACB, which is the top league in Spain, uh, the Euro League, which is the top um, European competition in Spain, uh, different levels in, in Europe. We can talk about anything they would want to. Um, it's about sharing the information, sharing the knowledge that I have from my experience, uh, sharing what I'm learning every day. Um, and so, you know, feel free, Keith, uh, to do that. And I am, I am offering uh, that level of communication to anyone you see fit to share my, um, my information with, please. Well, that's, a, that's an unbelievable offer from someone who has a lot of very unique experiences in the sport. Um, to reach me, um, Keith Alpert, K-E-I-T-H-A-L-P-E-R-T at gmail.com. You can uh, DM me at, uh, on Facebook, Keith Alpert, or at athletis, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-S-T dot com. Uh, Larry, thanks so much for your time, and it was great catching up with you on this, and it brought back a, a lot of memories, and uh, I, I should have had at least 20 people like Larry Lewis in my life uh, to train. And I've been fortunate to have a few, but nobody like this gentleman that you just had a chance to listen to. So thanks again for your time, Larry. Thank you, Keith. And anyone who wants to contact me, uh, please feel welcome. Um, uh, I'm, I'm willing to help. Thanks again, Larry. All right. Have a good night, Keith. Thank you. Thank you.